Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Yeah, but um, yeah, thanks. So um, actually looking at Colossians 3.18 and reading that passage, it's quite a familiar passage to a lot of us, I think. But I, I, I've been brooding over it and thinking, God, what, what do you really want me to say? I mean, we, I think we've all read the passage. You've been to women's meetings. You've heard about being submissive. Men, you've heard about loving your wives. Children, you've heard about being obedient. So I mean, it's something we're very familiar with. So I've said, God, what do you really want to say to us about this passage? And just started brooding. And then there were all sorts of things that were coming into my mind and I was thinking through. And hopefully be able to share that with everyone today. So yeah, we're talking today about honoring God in every sphere of life. Because really that's what Colossians 3, 18 down is speaking about. It's how to live an honoring life in the various relationships that we have with each other. Really, that's how I think about it. And um, last week, Richard was speaking um, about the theme out with the old and in with the new. And it was really, I thought I found it really interesting. And the message that I personally took from the preach was that for you to have on something new, there needed to be an expulsive force that would push out the old, create room, and then you're filled with something new. And that it's got to be something greater than what was there. And, you know, when you think about when Jesus says, says the love of many have waxed cold, when you have like a burning affection, something that is really hot and on fire, it's very easy to replace something else that is there. And so I was thinking about that, yeah, that that's, we do need to have that sort of like constant burning in our hearts. And that's what replaces, that's what keeps us from getting lukewarm or getting cold or getting, you know, very familiar with the things that we've talked about, we've heard about for many, many years. So I kept thinking, I'm like, Lord, I do want to have that something more, that compulsive force at work in my heart. And that's what keeps me wanting what you want. So um, today we're continuing to study Colossians, yeah, and looking at the passages we've said, and how we as Christians are called to honor God in every sphere of life. So this is one of our values at Gateway Church. You know, we've got a culture of honoring, yeah? And as a community, we are committed to honoring one another. We recognize that as to have a wholesome Christian life, you're going to be doing the upward, so you're doing towards God, inward yourself, and people in our Christian community here, and outward to the rest of the world. So that's honoring God, honoring ourselves, and honoring the world. So that's to make it wholesome and balanced. So it's not just really about our relationship is not only upward, it's inward, it's also outward. And that's how we achieve wholesomeness in life. I've been thinking about this theme of wholesomeness this year. One of the things that Deji and I as a family we were thinking what we want to do today and um, this year and how we want to live. And we've struck on a very old, you know, saying, you know, healthy, wealthy and wise. You know, and we just thought about that, that in wholesomeness, in spirit, soul, and body, that's what we want to be, healthy and wholesome. And it's, you know, as Christians, oftentimes we do have lives that are sort of skewed and out of balance sometimes. We think we're in a good place with God, but we're not really in a good place with other people. I've been there, probably I'm there now. And we think, how is that, you know, finding that type of balance? And that's what, you know, we strive for. So to have that wholesome and balanced life where you're good with God, good with yourself, good with others in your faith community and good with the world. 
So um, I looked up the passage, Colossians 3.18 and to 4.1, in different versions of the Bible, and I really liked the text in the Amplified Bible, which I think gives a little more context to how the words are used. And I've been mindful recently about words. You know, words are funny things. We say, oh, I love you. Do you really think about what that means? I love you. It's a doing word. So it's not just the word. It conveys something. It means something when you say to someone, I love you. It's commitment. It's time. It's talent. It's patience. It's forbearance. It's fun. It's joyful. It brings light. It's many things. That one word, love. So I've been thinking, because you know how we tend to sometimes speed read? Um, I've heard about this new this app. Maybe it's not new. Maybe it's just me catching up, called Blinkist which sort of condenses, who's heard about Blinkist? Anyone? Okay. It condenses books into like short 15, yeah, 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 like 15 paragraphs or 15 page summaries of books. So I mean, there are loads of books to read out there. And if you really can't get to reading all of them, there's this app which can sort of condense it. So you can read, you know, meet your target of reading 10 books a month if you want to Just download the Blinkist app, yeah? So if you think about words when you're reading, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm a fast reader, so I tend to like, I do what I call grazing, you know, read a sentence of 10 words, I probably read three, and I get the rest of the context. <laughs> There's a very interesting video, about a month, um, a few weeks ago, we did a training at work, and it was around negotiations, and we had something on about um, how you communicate, and I don't know if anyone has seen this video, it's called How Chinese Whispers Work, and it's hilarious. You could just check it on Google and, you know, YouTube and watch it. So it, it shows a chap at the beginning who does like a sort of like, you know, maybe you, do you know what I'm doing? Yeah. Hope I'm getting it right. Yeah. And then he stops and he turns off. So it's a motorbike, but it goes down a whole line of people who don't see what the other person's doing. Just tap your shoulder, you turn, they show you. And by the time it gets to the end, you've got someone doing this. <laughs> It's a completely different thing. So it's communication. So how we use our words, what we say, do we mean what we say? Do we think about what we say? When we read stuff in the Bible, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, John 3:16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You just say it. You just say it. I mean, Pete brought Psalm 23 today. I've read it millions of times, but surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. Do you believe? Do you feel like if I walk out those doors? I'm accompanied by goodness and mercy. And wherever I go, these are the things that follow me. This is my expectation, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. His presence will always be with me. So I'm being mindful, and I'm encouraging everyone, be mindful of the words that you read in the Bible. They're powerful. The Bible says it's living and it is active. It's packed with potential that when we take them into our heart and begin to live them in our lives, there's tremendous opportunity for change for fantastic change in our lives. So, I mean, let's just read the passage from the Amplified Bible. So, it's titled Family Relations. Not so well. Let's see. It's really interesting. <laughs> We've got the young ones, I mean, the youth in church today. I've got my two sat there, just like wondering what mom's going to say. But, well, stay tuned. <laughs> so, it says, wives. Be submissive to your husbands is out of respect for their position as protector and their accountability to God as is proper fitting in the Lord. 
Husbands, love your wives with an affectionate, sympathetic, selfless love that always seeks the best for them. Do not be embittered or resentful towards them because of the responsibilities of marriage. It's interesting, though, I just break there for a bit. You know, Paul, I found he's very big on order. So he sets things in order. So it's quite interesting to me that he speaks to the wives first before he speaks to the husbands. I don't know. I was thinking about it, and I thought, do you know what, women? I often think that we set the tones for our homes. It's very important. I think we set the tones, you know, and we set the atmosphere in the home. It's very I don't know, it just is. I find that, yeah, the husbands are the heads of the home, but we set the tone and the atmosphere at home. And you know, if you get it right, woman, chances are it's going to go right. Chances are. 20 says, children, obey. Nathan, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> obey your parents as God's representatives in all things. All things. For this... The attitude of respect and obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord and will bring you God's promised blessings. Fathers and mothers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable, or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness. There's a running joke in the African community, I don't know if you have it, and there are videos on it where you have the mom or the dad, she's like lounging in the, you know, sat in the lounge, child one, whatever it's called, then the child comes running down, give me the remote control. Yeah, it's a thing, it's literally a thing. Give me the remote control, and then they give it to you, and, like, and they go back up and say, child two, how does the remote control work, you know? So, <laughs> That's irritating, parents. Go on. Yeah. And servants, in everything, verse 22, obey those who are your masters on earth, not only with external service, as those who merely please people, but with sincerity of heart, because of your fear of the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That's put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It's the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. For he, does, for he who does wrong will be punished for his wrongdoing, and with God there is no partiality, no special treatment based on a person's position in life. And masters, on your part, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. It's interesting also that the piss about work, about servants, it's almost like the chunkiest bit in the passage, isn't it? I think when we continue to speak about, you know, what the Holy Spirit was saying to me about this, um, Colossians 3.23 says, in everything that you do, do it as unto the Lord, everything that you do, your vocation, your work, whether that's paid, volunteering, anything, says work it from your soul. You know, working from your soul. Just think about what we're saying about words. You know when you're doing something from your soul. And then you know when you're not. Yeah? I've got this thing in my mind, yeah? In, um, in the culture that my husband comes from, they're very big on respect and honor. It's a thing. So it's, 
There's the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria, and it's a big thing. So when you speak to someone who is even a year older than you, there's an inflection that you give to speaking to them. You have to speak to them as plural. You can't speak to them in the singular. So you have to say, there's whatever you say, you proceed with an eh, which is when you're talking to you all. <laughs> so I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the multitude of you. And so it's, it's a big thing. Um, if you have an older sibling, you have to, there's a, um, there are um, expressions of respect. So people who are much older than you, even if they're siblings, you have to call them sister, this, or brother, this. If you marry into a family, every member of that family is senior, older to you, even if you are older to them, you know, by chronological age. So it's very big on respect. But I tell you, they are the, almost one of the most innately disrespectful group of people you can meet. Yes, Sister T, and she's looking at me and wondering. Because I've got friends, and then, you know, you see someone, and they're down on both knees, and they're greeting, and then you know what's going on in her mind. She's like, yeah, right, you. And then they get up from their knees. And then there's the whole outward expression of respect. But it's oftentimes, it looks, well, not always, but many times, it looks skin deep. Right? So what he really calls us to do is to honor from our soul. And when you're giving it from your soul, what's inward is matching the outward expression. And that just brings out something that's so beautiful because it's so real. It's so real. And because God says in his word that he is not mocked, whatever you sow, that's exactly what you will reap. If you sow from your soul, your work, your talents, your time, you will reap a reward from he who is truly, really our master. He will, he will reward. So the passage just encourages us overall to be, to have honoring relationships. So I think I'm going to dodge the bullet. I'm now not going to start to say wives, this is how we should be submissive. Husbands, this is how we should love our wives. I'm just thinking that when you read that passage, it's saying to all of us, live a life that is honoring Whatever the role that you find yourself, be honoring to one another. And that flows from understanding that everyone here, every person that you interact with, whether or not they're a Christian, actually, they're a reflection of God. They're a creation of God. If someone's in authority over us, it's because God has created and allowed that authority. So in honoring, we are essentially honoring God. That's what we're doing. We're honoring him. So I decided to ask myself, so really now we've had to think about honor. What's the place of honor today? Is this a thing still today, or is it like an old-fashioned idea? As I started to do my studies, and I was thinking, honor, honor. You watch a lot of sitcoms now. You have a lot of really sassy kids, you know, talking back to their parents. That's the joke. Parents who don't quite get it, you know, don't quite know what time it is, but, you know, the kids are sharp and smart and sassy. We don't really now live in an age or a time where honor is a big thing, you know. Time was when people would die for honor, isn't it? They would say, on my honor. And that meant something, yeah? But again, just because, you know, of, I think, modernization, and yeah, many good things about modernization, about self-awareness, about self-respect, and about identity of, you know, who you are, but we started to lose and erode that culture of honor, but thank God, 
here at Gateway, that's one of our values. We are a people of honor because we understand that it's important. Honor still has a place today. Honoring people still has a place in today's world. So what does it really mean? So we've talked about meanings behind the word. What does it really, really mean, I'm thinking? What does it mean to honor? Why should I honor? What's the compulsion to honor? I mean, when Richard spoke about that expulsive affection that replaces, ordinarily, man, we, in our fallen state, we're primarily selfish people. We want to take care of me, myself, and I first. So what's going to replace that urge to just satisfy myself and place someone else before me? What's the compulsion to honor? What's the effect of tradition, of fear, of culture, all of these things? What do they bring? What do they add? What do they take away from my walking in honor? So I looked at a lot of like different definitions of the word honor, Christian blogs, testeresses, and different things. And it says, as a baseline definition, to honor means that I will esteem and treat another person with respect, maybe because of who they are or what they've done. Honor has a sense of value, has a sense of price. It has a sense of quality. So I value you. I esteem you. I think you are important and significant. The degree of honor we give to someone, it varies depending on who they are, their position, their achievements, and how we view them. So when I was reading one of the blogs, I, I, I came across a story some chap said about how years, maybe years past, he was in a meeting where they were waiting on one of the past US presidents to attend the meeting. And it was a Christian meeting. But whilst they were waiting, he started talking to someone who was obviously not a Republican. The president was a Republican at the time. And the person had nothing. He was like, he's really, he does not like the man's policies. He doesn't like the way he goes about his duties. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. And he kept on and on. And but the minute the president walked in, he said the man's countenance changed. And they all stood. And the American anthem was played. And he said the man had tears in his eyes. And he said he really saw this is he, the, 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 the man didn't honor the person of the president, but he honored the office. And he was genuine. It was from his soul. He really felt he had honor for the office of the president. It didn't matter who was president. He honored the office of president. So um, you give honor different ways. The honor that's given to a child, for example, who makes honor roll, does, has good grades, is different from what you'll give to someone who wins a war, a commander who is honored. You know, So different ways or different sort of like levels of honor. We honor people for accomplishments, for their integrity, for their intellect. And how do we demonstrate honor really? It's in our attitudes to those people, in our affections, in our actions, what we do to show that we esteem someone. And remember, we do from the soul to show that we esteem. So I kind of like this definition, which I found from Bible study tools. It says that the word honor is rooted in, a, I think, a Greek word, kabod, which literally means something that's heavy or weighty. So when I honor someone, it means I give weight or I give a person space, a position of respect and authority in my life. I say to you, 
you are important, you matter, your opinion matters, your, your, your happiness matters, your satisfaction matters, your joy matters to me, and I'm going to do something so that that is an outcome when I engage with you. So what it means to me, it means I will be deliberate and I will be intentional about making other people feel significant in my life, about giving them space, about counting it's important their thoughts and their feelings, their ideas and their well-being. Again, many words I've spoken there. But there's the living of those words, really. There are many times you're on a timer, you're, you know, you've got to get somewhere quick. But there's a moment you have to give to honor someone. Or you're just plain tired. You've had a really busy and tough week, you know. Yet, you've got to be intentional. We've got to be intentional about honoring the people that we meet. Remember, we honor God, we honor ourselves, and we honor the world. So people that we meet. The chap who sells tickets at my train station, you know, I always try to say a nice, hey, to him on a Monday, how are you? And it's a bit, you know, he gets a bit startled, I think, because <laughs> how many people can he probably say hello to? But, you know, how we honor people, how do we say thank you? to the lady, the barista who sells, serves you coffee, um, how do you say thank you to the, the lady at the daycare who looked after your children, or the children's workers here when you go to pick your kids? You know, how do you show kindness? How do you show graciousness? How do you show that you know, people are important, that they are significant? It's in little things, really, and they really count. So who should we honor? We should honor those in positions of authority, yes, the Bible says so, that we should honor God, we should honor fathers and mothers, we should honor those he is setting authority over us. So that could be in church, that could be at work, that could be, if you play sports as, you know, could be a coach, um, if you are in a mentor-mentee relationship, it would be a mentor. So anyone who has any sort of authority over you, the Bible says we should honor. It also says, in 1 Peter 2, verse 17, that we should honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, honor Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, honor Donald Trump, you know. So honor, it is. That's what the Lord has said. We should honor. We should count as significant, as valuable, as important, and esteem the people that God has called us to honor. It is really, it's, it's, it's something we've got to think about because it's so easy to be flipped, isn't it, about people, and then especially people who seem a bit removed from us. But this is what the Bible says. We should give honor. We should give honor. He's called us. And when we do that, we should always realize that in honoring people, we are honoring the God that we serve. Remember what it says in Colossians, that it is God that you serve, not man. So we're all his servants, so we should honor. It's not always easy. Many times people don't seem deserving of honor, really. Sometimes they push it away. People get embarrassed about being honored. I get embarrassed about being honored. Yeah? But God has called us to honor. I'm going to tell you something again about culture. So when we, um, we moved to the UK, it's about five years now, so we tried to speak to our sons, who were at the time, maybe Tim was oldest. Tim was 13 or 14. Yeah. And... Nathan was about nine or seven, eight, and Jesse was like seven, six, right? As I said, my husband is Yoruba, and so there is a culture for young men 
when you are speaking to someone who's older than you, you're, you're greeting or saying hello, you have to give a slight bow for the men. And for the ladies, it's a little genuflection. There's a lady who lives here in Ashford. She's got a daughter who goes to school in Tonbridge. And you know what? I meet her at the train station, and she goes down on her knees. So hello, Ante. I'm like, this is an Ashford train station. I'm like, hi, Terry, how are you? I don't want her to do that. Do you know what? Yeah? But I mean, it's the culture and it's the tradition. And so um, my husband and I said to the boys, when you speak to someone who's older than you, when you say hello to them, you should do a bow. That's your culture. That's where you're from. And the boys have kind of struggled with it. I think you can imagine. It's easy if they're doing it to Auntie Kenny. Kenny understands the culture, so it's within the context for her. So, you know, that's fine. But I mean, you know, if <laughs> Nathan saw you, he's meant to say that to you, Pete, that to you as well, Debbie. That's his culture. That's how he's been raised. And we told him to do it with their teachers as well in school. Oh, that was horrendous. <laughs> They're like, hello, Mr. Wiseman. You know, like a little tip to the side and get away with it. <laughs> Mr. Wiseman just probably thinks you're unbalanced today. He doesn't know that you're trying to honor what your mom and dad have said, but, you know, still not be a twat, you know. Yeah, but, you know, so we've sort of persevered with it. And then, again, in our African culture, we don't, we don't call your elders by their first name. It's just not, it's not done. So it's an attitude of honoring and respect. You should say Mr. or Mrs. But that's not really the culture in England, is it? You know? Okay, so get to my story. This Christmas, over the holidays, we're chatting with the boys and saying, right, what do you think we could do as a family, you know, so that we could, you know, how can we do better? What have we been doing? And this was a thing. So Tim, Tim's gone off to uni now. So he says, Mom, do you know this thing about calling people Mr. and Mrs.? A lot of my friends' parents want me to call them by their first name. And for them, that is honoring. They're letting me into their world. They're saying to me, I count you as a good friend of so-and-so, and I want you to feel close to us as a family. I give you the privilege or the honor of calling me by my first name. That was Tim's argument. I'm like, no, 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 that's not honoring. That's not respectful. They said, no, 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 yes, it is. Yes, and went back and forth. And when we had to think about it, so go back to what we said about, you know, doing it from the soul. And it's got to match what's inside with what is outside. So we thought, well, we have got to step back away from our culture and really think about the culture of the church or the culture of Christianity, kingdom culture. Because really what you want to convey is that you honor, you esteem. So if what my culture says is honor and esteem, is not to you honor and esteem. I haven't honored you and I haven't esteemed you. What am I saying? To honor and esteem someone, you've got to know them, understand them, take the time, you know, to weigh them and see what is honoring and esteeming to you. And that's the way that I will truly honor you and I will esteem you. So saying I will honor you and esteem you the way that I want to, that's not honor and esteem. You've got to understand what to you will make you feel honored. It's not easy. It means I've got to give you time and space in my life that's choked and filled up. But that's what he's called us to do. And that's how I'm really, really, truly going to honor you. So I started to think more on this and say, all right, I really can't get away with not talking about how wives should submit and husbands should love. So I've got a little video clip and see how we think about who we should honor and how we should honor those people. So 
Ah, here, Dave, you can play the video. This is the story of Mark Hounds. Deji and Alaf Episodes Live. So this was for Nathan's, I think, year seven, year six piece of homework. And these are my pattern grandparents, Grandma and Grandma Fisher. My mum was born in August 1974, about the time John Lennon claimed to have seen a UFO. And my dad was born in April 1968, around the time the US performed nuclear tests in Nevada. Mum and dad were both born in Nigeria, but at opposite ends of the country. Both my parents come from large families. While dad is the first of five, mum is the fourth of six. Mum was raised in Jos, a beautiful quiet town in north central Nigeria. Jos is famous for its rolling hills and beautiful countryside. Dad was born in Akure, a mid-sized town in the southwest, which is famous for the Ikoga Sea Warm Springs, where you can put your feet in warm and cold water at the same time. As a child, mum absolutely loved Enid Blyton books. Famous Five, Secret Seven, Magic Wish Away, Tree, all of them. She often went on adventures of her own with her sister, usually didn't end well. And Dad was a keen cyclist on his travel bike. At age 10, both Mum and Dad went off to boarding school, as was customary in Nigeria. While Mum went to an all-girls school just an hour away from home, Dad went to a military school a whole day's journey away from home, where he learned to shoot rifles and other military stuff. After secondary school, Mum studied law at a university and Dad got a business degree. They both moved to Abuja, the capital city, for work and graduate school and that's where they met. Dad proposed to Mum on her birthday in 1999 and they were married in Joss in March 2000. Tim came first, then I, their favourite, came next, and then Jesse was born. After many years working in a bank, Dad now runs his own fintech business and has written two books. And Mum works as a national resources lawyer and gets to travel all over the world. And that's the story so far of my mum and dad's lives. Thank you for watching. Great. So that's uh, two purposes. It's going to help the preach today. And I'll tell you a little bit about myself, yeah? <laughs> okay. So, I was thinking on the passage that we read in Colossians 3, and I thought... It neatly sets out, doesn't it, the various roles we play in community as wife, as mother, as daughter, as employer, as employee, yeah? It sets them out quite neatly in boxes. Wives, do this, be submissive. Husbands, do this, love your wives. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is pleasing. So the workman, work diligently, knowing you're working for the Lord. So I was thinking on all of these things, and I thought, I fit into quite a few of those boxes. Yeah, I'm not just wife, I am mother, I am a worker, so I work for someone, I do have a boss. Someone works for me, so I do employ someone as well, so I'm an employer as well. 
and I'm many more things. I'm sister, I'm friend, I'm colleague, yeah? I'm mentor. Sometimes I'm driver. A lot of times I'm driver. <laughs> I'm cheerleader. I'm personal shopper. You know, the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Yeah? So I just sat about thinking that, you know, so how do I, in these different roles that I, 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 I engage with people, how do I live an honoring life? Is it possible to be an honoring wife and not be an honoring friend? Yeah? How do we do that? And that's what that video is really about. So it shows you the different faces of me. So that's me, sister, that's me, friend, that's me, um, lawyer, that's me, mom, that's me, getting married, that's me having those three boys, yeah? Different things. DJ and I have been thinking through this year as well about the concept of congruity. So when you feel as though your life is in different places and what you're trying to do is say, can I bring them into congruence with one another? And then I feel like a whole person. When every piece of me is singing the same song. Do you see what I mean? So I was thinking, in these different roles that we have, how can we truly, consistently live a life of honoring? I think it was two, three weeks ago when Catherine spoke about what it is to live a life with Christ Jesus. I think it was what some of the earlier verses in Colossians. And it was, how do you continue to live the life? And it was through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, isn't it? That's how you find confluence. That's how you find that congruence where things in our different roles sort of now sit together and are singing the same song. So I can be an honoring wife and an honoring mother and an honoring child. I have a surviving parent. My dad's still alive. My mom's passed, yeah? And I can be an honoring friend. And at work, I can honor my colleagues and I can honor my boss and I can honor the institution I work for. And I can honor Priscilla who works for me. I can honor her. And I can honor everyone here with whom I share faith and I share brotherhood. And I can just be honoring in every aspect and honor the gentleman who sells tickets in the train station, honor the lady who serves me in a store or a shop. How? It's the power of the Holy Spirit bringing congruence when he is the same in me in every aspect. Which is why really, Barney, when, when I think about it, this is not really a very challenging or different, pa difficult passage in the Bible, really. If we find congruence in our lives and we're drawing from the well that is the Holy Spirit, you know, and we can find that place where Jesus is. You know Jesus Christ? The Bible says he was holy God, 100% God, and 100% man. That seems incongruous, isn't it? But he was those things. And I thought, who else better to understand this idea and this concept of congruence than God himself? Look at all the various names that he bears. He's the Lord, our healer. He's the Lord who is our shepherd. El Shaddai, the mighty breasty one, sufficient for all our circumstances and situations. He's the righteous judge. He's the God of heavens and of earth. 
There's a song I love which says he fills the heavens and the earth, yet he lives inside of us. How is that possible? This big and mighty God, he lives inside of your heart, so big yet small enough. Yeah? He's kind, yet he's righteous and just enough. He's full of love and mercy, yet he will judge sin. So those things don't seem congruent. How then can we then find that confluence of these different things? And I don't know if you feel like me, but sometimes I do feel like these different roles are pulling me in different ways. You know, at work I've got to be you know, on top of my game. I've got to know what I'm talking about. And at home I can just really like relax and let go. Yeah? Do you know, I once wrote an article about the two faces of me and how it seems that the outside world gets the better version of me the one who is always looking, you know, pro properly dressed, speaking properly, addressing issues nicely, being kind and gentle and generous, really, holding the door open for strangers. And I said in the article, and then, you know, if someone might say, can you shut, close the door, shut it, you know? And, you know, you don't give the best of yourself at home. And so it's something I struggle with. Like, I want to find that place of congruence in my life where I'm the same wherever I find myself. I don't shock myself, you know. The Bible speaks about Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is what I thought. I love this, love this, love this passage in Romans 12, 1 to 2 from the Message Bible. It's a very familiar verse as well. You know, we know it as, you know, I beseech thee, brethren, from the King James Version, in view of God's great mercy, to offer your lives as living sacrifice. But this is what the Message Bible says, and I titled it Living Intentionally. Says, so here's what I want you to do. And I dare say to you, this is what I want you to do as well. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your gaze on God you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture that's around us, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. I just want to quickly speak to the young people in the room. You know, I'm sure you don't believe it, but everyone here has been your age sometime or the other. This thing I'm speaking about, this incongruity, it's really a big deal, I know, for you guys. At that age, it's really kind of what Paul was saying. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. So there's this constant battle inside of you, you know, to rebel, you know, or to just obey. So this is why it says, take your everyday ordinary life and give it to God. Ask him to change you from the inside out. Helping to find that place of confluence when really, really when you're doing it because of God. It's not difficult. I tell you the truth, it's not hard. It's easy to be one and the same person. It's much, much more difficult to be this. And you know, I say sometimes to the boys, you are really so nice to your friends. Why can't you be that nice to your brother? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so much easier to be one and the same person, you know, and just, just relax in the flow of the Holy Spirit who helps you to be that very best version of you at all time. And that's the person that can live this honoring life all the time. So 
I think, I said to myself, if I first and foremost identify that I, my primary role, set apart from all of these different things that I seem to be, who I am is daughter of God, Alache. That's my response. Then all my different roles are filtered through this identity. Yeah, yeah, that's, thank you. <laughs> yeah, time off. So that's, all of my different roles can be filtered through that identity as daughter of God. You see? So when I want to be wife, it's Alache, daughter of God, who is wife. When I want to be mother, it's Alache, daughter of God. And you see, by the time I think about it, even thinking about it, I'm just, it settles me. Do you see? Daughter of God, she is mother. Alache, daughter of God. It really settles me, brings me to the right place. You know, it says in union with Christ, all things take their proper place in our <coughs> lives. So I'm just saying, find your proper place in Christ. Be secure and certain of your identity. And the word that Danny brought this morning, as I sat, you know, when we're praying earlier, I was just thinking, oh, God, I'm like, do you know what he said to me? He says, I have no expectations of you, Alache. Just relax. You're not performing. You're not doing anything. Whether you bomb or you do well, I have no expectation. He just wants to love you. So be free and relaxed in your identity as his child. And let that be the filter for all of your other relationships. Honor will flow out of you. His spirit is love. And love honors. And that's how we can live honoring lives every single day. <laughs>